heard you perfectly. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, it seems like with me doing Discord through the phone so the computer doesn't get all confused from having two programs actively running, um, seems like it works a lot better. So. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh yeah, we didn't come up with an opening. I mean, <laughs> we I, could, didn't I could plan an opening. <laughs> I almost defaulted to the old. Uh, Hi everyone, welcome to Shack Funk. I'm Jade, and this week I'm joined by Brent. But it's been Brent. Is you know we, we, we kind of dropped that because I didn't need to introduce the guest because it's always yeah. the same. It's 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 been me other than like four times in the past three years. And there also used to be an. A consistent outro bit of Stay Funky, but that got dropped too, and now we just kind of meander toward an ending every <laughs> every episode. That's my favorite joke, though. Mm. That and um, Overcome the Sea Man. Mm. That that's my actual favorite joke because yeah. God. Yeah. That was also three years ago. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, we're old. Yeah. No, nope. it's an old show for old people. Yep, old thirty-somethings. If your back doesn't constantly hurt, you shouldn't be listening to this. Mm. Yep. Um. So okay, let's see. So we <laughs> watched a strange batch of movies that were mostly sci-fi. But also yeah. because Dragon Ball came up last time, there was a bunch of Dragon Ball 2. Um, and then also Black Widow came out. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, nah. I have seen it. And I've heard a couple reviews. It seems like a lot of people just didn't bother. Like, judging by the media box, a lot of people just aren't bothering watching it, even though you can watch it. I mean, it, sure, it's 30 bucks to watch it at home, but you can watch it from home, which I like. You know, I mean, and I... I I know they, they've they only said Black Widow's going to do that. I kind of hope it's... Like, it sounds like it's doing pretty well, both in the box office and in the Disney Plus thing, so I hope they continue doing it this way, because I would like it a lot better if, like, opening day, a movie comes out, I pay my money to Disney Plus and watch it from home and don't have to scramble to get to a theater and deal with all the crowds and all that bullshit. And then if I like the movie... Then, like, on a Wednesday or something, when it's quiet, I can just go to the theater and watch it and not have to deal with the stressful component of theaters. Like, that'd be pretty great. Because the, the yeah. main thing I don't like about theaters is the scramble to get there on opening night. Um, so, I don't know. I hope they keep doing yeah. it this way, but we'll, we'll the, see. The way I feel is I don't want to pay $30 to watch a movie I don't own. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Like, physically. Yeah. Like, if I'm paying $30 for a movie, it better be a Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess, because I will end up buying the Blu-ray, too, so that's kind of dumb that I'm spending Blu-ray prices, and I, like, I feel like I own a digital copy now, but also, I, I'll, because I have a physical library, I'll definitely be buying physical again, so. Yeah. Like, oh. mo most movies I just rent for a few bucks because I'm never going to watch them again. Mm. Because I, I don't I don't usually watch rewatch movies unless I, like, really love them. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah i i used to rewatch things more often but there's just so many things to watch even just youtube shows and podcasts and things that update throughout the week it you know i i don't have to watch things i've already watched before as much so i i just don't as much as i used to yeah like i i tend to just drop things when i lose interest with them like Mm. pretty quickly yeah. Like I, I I started playing New Vegas again like a month ago and uh <laughs> I didn't get very far. Mm. Yeah. I got Tony Hawk Pro Skater on Switch. Um and then I completed all I, I, the game has the cheats already built into it so you can use them and the only thing it affects is that your scores won't show up on the uh online leaderboards. So I enabled all the cheats and, uh, you know, the, it's just, it gives you, like, perfect balance and and all that, so you don't have to deal with just tripping over your own feet all the time like I do in that game. And so I could just focus on getting the goals, so I got all the goals. Um, and with that complete, I've gone back to playing Saints Row again. Uh, oh, yeah, Ton- Tony Hawk, the, the game that led to the most hated Game Grumps episode ever. <laughs> Mm. Oh, wait, because was that the the recent one with the Ross stage? Yeah, um, but it was sponsored by Activision, and they made them cut all the swearing out. So, no, oh. <laughs> so people hated it. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I, I, I think now that you mentioned, yeah, I remember they they covered up the swearing with skateboarding sounds or something, but yeah. Hmm. It, it <laughs> it's just kind of ridiculous, hmm. but yeah, um, I've never played a skateboarding game ever, hmm. and I don't really intend to because it, it it's just so far away from what interests me. But yeah, I, I know a lot of people um, have you know Tony Hawk's Pro Skater as like a a tent pole of their childhood so yeah that's just not me yeah i was like a preteen when tony hawk one two and three were like the popular thing so i played the three of those a bit um and i was never good at them but it's just fun because it's like i think one of them you could like unlock spider-man you could get darth maul in another one (laughs) yeah and then yeah you're just you know, grinding on rails and falling on your face and trying to get a good score. So, like, it's kind of interesting going back to it, because it's like, I vaguely remember the stages, but I didn't really have, like, a concept of what the overall map of the stages looked like, the way I I can do now, where, you know, like, I'm actually paying attention to what's going on. Um, (laughs) Just, it feels like it, it makes more sense than it did, you know... 20 years ago i guess would have been yeah i find um a lot of games are just less interesting when you revisit them as an adult because it's like oh this is how this mechanic works Mm. i mean it's definitely Uh, like shorter and smaller than it felt back then like yeah like even though it's got both the first and second games combined i've still you know completed all the goal with cheats but i completed all the goals within a week less than a week probably uh, something like Jade, that. you're only you're only cheating yourself 
Yeah, well, <laughs> it the game is honestly more fun when you're not tripping and falling all the time because you can just rack up crazy combos and you know like yeah I don't know it it's 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 definitely more fun that way and I'll probably dip back in to play around but before I bought it um, I had been working on my Saints Row Four Switch file so I've just gone back to doing that again. Yeah, I uh, I sometimes think about playing Saints Row three or four again, and then I I don't do that for a few months, and then I think about it again, and then I just never do it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, like I played through both of them on three sixty, and then I don't I might have tried a file on Xbox One and not really gone anywhere with it, but since it's on Switch, I can play it on like work breaks or while I'm watching a movie or whatever so yeah so I've been doing it again on there and I had all you know like the numbers that I needed to recreate Jade again like I, I typed it all out into a like a notepad file back on Xbox 360 so I, you know, I've got the exact same character model as I did in uh, in that one and then give her the zombie voice Nah. <laughs> no, I know there's other voices in the game, but it just feels weird not to have um, uh, uh, Laura Bailey is uh, yeah the voice. Like without that voice, it just it doesn't feel like it's the boss character. I uh, I think the the second time I tried to play through. Uh, what was it, three or four? I, I, it was like, it was like a really like bad Russian mm. woman accent. Yeah, so, I, I, I love that one. Yeah, <laughs> because I, I think she just didn't probably, fit in at all. Like you can probably change the voice in the uh, plastic surgery shop. Yeah, so. yeah, you you can you can change all that. Like you can. You can just have Nolan North voice, um, well, Jade, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yep, my default player character. That is how Nolan rolls. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so we watched, um, Pacific Rim Matrix, Blade Runner, uh, Blade Runner 2049, (laughs) and, um, Dragon Ball Z, Bridged. Also, I watched some Dragon Ball Super. Also, you played Dragon Ball video games, so... Yeah. Should we go through the movies I, before we get lost in the Dragon Ball weeds? We probably should. Um, because that that is a whole thing. Yeah. I have, I have way too much Dragon Ball knowledge, as do most um, men my age. Most I weird guess. anime guys. Yeah. That was a name I had for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, anybody listening to this podcast was probably also on the forums. I don't think we've really caught on with the, uh, you know, post-podquisition marriage Dice Funk community. I think we're we're still a vestige of the old um, (laughs) post-BT group. Nobody knows who I am. (laughs) People know who you are because you have power. 
Yeah, yeah, because I harassed Austin so much on Twitter that I established a position in the fandom, and then uh, kind of bullied Laura or not Laura, Lauren into getting me a cameo in season five, which came up. Re- Somebody added me because I've got most of those boxes muted for the Dice Funk stuff because I just don't, you know, pay attention to the old season conversation or even the new season conversations i just i don't care about that like fine-tuned analysis of like everything yeah it it just it's gotten old but somebody added me in the season five box and like wait jade oh that's you it's it's you and it's like yeah (laughs) i had lauren on the show a few times and then i talked her into getting me a cameo and then uh austin decided that that because i just wanted like a name drop cameo you know like name a character jade um but then austin decided hey do you want to do the last time voice so yeah so i recorded a few takes of me doing the last time on dice funk and uh he picked the one he liked the best and that was the last time voice for the first like three quarters of that season yeah was that season five five okay Yep, because yep, Jade was the screen name of two moths who were uh, using it on like a forum to communicate with Sasha, the owl. We've we've cracked we've cracked the code. Jade is actually two moths in a trench coat. Yep. <laughs> you two. Um, you two. What? What's? What's the the Pokemon that everybody went nuts over? Um, Snob, All of them. something like that. <laughs> I guess <laughs> the one that wasn't Wooloo, but was also a small, cute white Pokemon. Oh yeah, that might be um, Snob. Yeah, the one that evolves into Mothman. Is Snob the one with the butt mouth? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think the name is not... Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about... Um, okay. Well, the order I watched these in was um, Pacific Rim, Matrix... I think I watched Dragon Ball... Or maybe... No, I, I think I, I... Yeah, I watched those two. And then there was a day when I was going to watch both Blade Runners. But I got like two-thirds through the first one and it turns out the disc i have is old and has disc rot so it just kind of crapped out um and then i think after that happened i watched all of you know the 10 episodes of dragon ball abridged while waiting for the local like dvd store to open up so i could go there and go buy blade runner on blu-ray and then i finished watching blade runner and then watched the other blade runner so, so yeah, so that's, many Blade the, that's the order I watched in. Hmm. I I did um, what was it? Matrix, Blade Runner, Blade Runner, um, twenty seventy eight. Uh, yeah, twenty forty nine. Um, and then Pacific Rim because I wanted to finish with Pacific Rim, hmm. even though I've seen it. Um, a bajillion times. I wanted I wanted it to be the last thing I watched because I wanted to be in a good mood. Mm. Yeah, I watched it first because it's the one that it's been the longest since I watched it. 
Turns out I did still have the DVD. It was in the same drawer where the uh, Matrix DVDs were. Well, they they are basically the same movie, so. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's just like um, what twelve, thirteen years apart. Yeah. Um, let's see, ninety nine to twenty twelve. Yeah. So yeah. I oh, so, so which one do you want to talk about first? Because uh, uh, should we do Matrix I first? I guess that that seems like the easiest one to just get out of the yeah, way. Yeah, I mean it. It's a thing that was popular. Yep. And then slowly got less popular, and I think is getting popular again because Keanu Reeves is famous again. Yeah, a mix of that and nostalgia. At the time, you know, the black leather trench coat glasses look was, you know, inspired by Blade. Like, that just became the look of late 90s, early 2000s action. Yep. It was all Blade. Yeah. Blade Blade is the genesis of the 2000s. Yep. And we've already gone over Blade, so that's all covered. Um, wow, I have barely any notes on, uh, The Matrix. Um... I mean, it, it's it's a movie everyone knows. Yeah. So, like, it, it's hard to talk about. Yeah. Um, like, uh, let's see. My main notes. Well, one note is that I I made a note of what year the movie happens in. It's the year is, I think they approximate it to be twenty one ninety nine, um, and the Nebuchadnezzar, the ship that they're on, says the, there's there's like a shot of the plate with the. I also noticed the thing you're about to talk mm, about. That the Nebuchadnezzar was made in the year 2069? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, I I saw that, and I, I just audibly said nice. Yeah, yeah my <laughs> like, notes, I, I couldn't help my myself. My notes say nice in parentheses right next to it. <laughs> yeah. Now, the ship was built in the year 2069, and the year yep. is now around 2199. Yep, the ship is 130 years old and somehow still running. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of Millennium Falcon-ish. They just rebuilt it constantly, probably scavenged parts off other things. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah. Um, yeah, my other... my Like, the only other note I have is that the action is very campy, and, like, the wire work and, like, the fast slow motion... I didn't notice as much at the time but i definitely see it now like that is very emblematic of the way action was done at the time like if you watch like the sam raimi spider-mans they have that same kind of like fast and slow cutting of motion and just like like action is clearly definitely done it wasn't digital it wasn't cg or like maybe there was a little bit of that, but mostly it was just real wire work stuff, and it looks like it was on wires, especially when people yeah. are just like floating in the air before they do a kick. Yeah, it's it's definitely the era where they wanted to show people doing impossible things on screen, mm. but they didn't want to just completely, or or they they couldn't make just complete like CGI replicas of people look good yet yeah so they they kind of uh found a middle ground for it yeah which it looks surreal now you know watching it but yeah but also it's a virtual world so you you kind of 
Yeah, they, they built have an, an excuse. Yeah, they built an excuse into the story for why everything looks a little bit fake because it's all yeah. fake. Except for it's the all... you know robot tentacle monsters that are tearing their ship apart in the the real world. That's all real. Yeah, they. <laughs> They keep that in darkness, which was a good idea, because if they didn't, it would probably not look very good at all. Mm. Like, the, 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 like, mandibles on it constantly moving is actually, like, kind of terrifying. Mm. Like, e- even though I know it's fake, like, it's still off-putting, I guess, yeah, is yeah, the like word I was they, going for. You know, it's like a mix of bugs and sea monsters with robots. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's that much else to say about it, especially since we didn't watch the trilogy. We just watched the one movie as kind of a follow-up to John Wick because it's a Keanu Reeves, you know, early action movie. I kind of feel like the the sequels are just a waste of time. Hmm. At least that, that was how I felt last time I watched them. Yeah. Like, they, they have a few good ideas. Like, the second one has some pretty good fight scenes. But other other than that... Um, yeah, I mean, I think, like, the way they evolved Smith as a character was interesting. But yeah. the rest of the characters in the stuff is just boring. It's fine. It's whatever. Or it's just weird and confusing. Yeah, the the idea of Smith like actually like basically turning himself into a virus, yeah, <laughs> like that controls the Matrix. Like that that's a good idea because it. I mean, I mean, <laughs> it's like the only thing that can challenge Neo. Yeah. Um, I mean, except for two guys with dreadlocks who are ghosts apparently yeah uh, from some you know barely explained uh like earlier version of the matrix or something yeah I, th- there's a lot of <laughs> the sequels it like try to explain too much but but they try to explain it in that cryptic way where yeah it's like uh yeah, like they they don't want to just say it outright. They gotta you know layer it in metaphors and yeah, ominous descriptions. Like I like the 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 Matrix like brings up concepts, but they don't they don't get super wordy in trying to explain them. Right? Mm. the The sequels are not like that. <laughs> Like they they they're really wordy. They're like just way too long and boring. Like <laughs> yeah, and I mean I'm sure part of the like it's pretty well known at this point that the plan that the directors wanted was to do a prequel and a single sequel, but that's not how movies were made at the time. It was you know trilogies. You know everybody's got to do their own Star Wars, so they took the plan for the sequel and made it into two sequels and it even gets kind of star warsy where it's like it ends with you know the hero is tra- like trapped in limbo and everybody has to you know form a plan to go rescue him at the start of the third one 
It's like Han Solo and Carbonite, except it's Neo in the train station between what? worlds or something. Yeah, I I still kind of remember the second one, but I don't remember anything that like anything specific from the third one. Other, other than like maybe a weird orgy. <laughs> no, the weird orgy was in the second one. Okay, well then I don't remember anything from yeah, the third the, one. Yeah, the third one, Neo is trapped in a weird train station, and uh, then Smith absorbs everyone in the Matrix, and one Smith who absorbs the Oracle becomes the, the Uber Smith. So that's the <laughs> one that Neo has to fight while all the other Smiths just watch, because we already had a fight of Neo versus a million Smiths, and so they had to do something different. So it's Neo One versus... Smith to rule them all. Yeah, Neo versus the best Smith. Um, meanwhile, uh, Neo and Trinity are flying in the real world to um, go to like the leader of the machines or something. Like There's like a war. The machines are trying to attack the human city. Uh, but also Neo and Trinity are trying to go make a deal with the leader of the machine consciousness because Smith is threatening their matrix reality um and yeah like the trinity ends up dying and neo strikes some kind of deal where if he can stop smith the machines will give everyone the choice to have free will or not uh and then he goes and has the fight with the single smith and beats him and and yeah i don't know that that's what i remember of the third one yeah like i i know i've seen the third one i just it 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 just is a blank for me. Yeah. Maybe we'll revisit it when the fourth one comes out. Because there's yeah, a fourth maybe. one in development. But I know, those are those are long movies to watch all at once. Mm. <laughs> like for me. Yeah. Like uh like Lord of the Rings at least has a lot of stuff happening. Mm. Um to, And it's like, not all t- yeah, I mean yeah, like when we get to talking about Blade Runner, like since I watched Pacific Rim first, it really stood out to me how different our tastes are. <laughs> that what? your pick for a sci-fi movie is just this, you know, fun, like friends working together to fight the <laughs> giant monsters, and mine they, is this defeat- like very somber, like you know, what does it mean to be human? Uh, like they noir. defeat the kaiju with with the power of friendship and a giant robot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And yeah. Idris, Idris Elba's name is Stacker Pentecost. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and Bla- I, I think the reason I wanted to watch Blade Runner again is just that I, you know, some of the music from it ended up in my. Uh, playlist of background music for D&D games so I wanted to watch it again after listening to the music to it again not that I didn't like the movie yeah. it's just it, it is definitely more of a slow noir kind of movie it's not as yeah. fun or actiony as either Matrix it's, or Pacific Rim it's the kind of movie like I I barely got anything out of because I watched it when I was exhausted after ten hours in the Louisiana summer. Yeah. One day. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and you know, like so, like the first Blade Runner, it took a few watches before I got like anything out of it. Because the first time I watched it was in high school, where um, we were reading Frankenstein, and I had a teacher who really liked Blade Runner, and she uh, felt like the Roy Batty character is a lot like Frankenstein's monster, where he's this like artificial human who you know wants you know something from his maker and. And ends up like, well, he ends up killing his maker. But um, yeah, and it's, like, there's a similarity there. But when I was watching it in high school, I thought, oh, okay, I get this movie. It's like, like a video game. He's got to go hunt down the four bad guys and kill them. And that's kind of what happens. But like, some of them, he just takes them down so fast. It's not really like that's that's not the point. This isn't like an action hunt and kill the people. Oh yeah, story. like it's, when he. When he takes down the dancer, like it's shot like a like the end of a tragedy. Yeah, like it, it's like it's not like it, it's not an action movie at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, 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 it wants to have that veneer of like the '80s action movie, right? Like it's got Harrison Ford and a cool gun. Yeah, he he's a cop who's brought out of retirement for one last job. You know, that, like, the setup is that, like, cliche cop movie kind of thing. That, you know, there's these bad guys who've come back to Earth, and they call him out of retirement to go hunt them down. You know, get back into the role that he was good at and hunt them down and stop them. Uh, but then, you know, like, we see, like, their perspective, and they are, like, just... Because they, they're these replicants, they're artificial humans, they have a four-year lifespan... And they're trying to find a way to extend their life. So they're going around to just every, like, genetic engineer, like, people who are involved in their creation to see if any of them know anything about how to fix whatever genetic defect gives them such a short life. Um, and, and yeah, and he's, like, he's hunting them because it's his job, but, you know, he's... Kind of getting doubts. Like, he, he never... It's not as much... Like, 2049, the sequel, gets a lot more into that, like, like the ethics and the morality of what's going on than the original does. Like, Harrison Ford, he's yeah. mainly just trying to do his job and hunt these guys down, even though, you know, he's... I mean, he's got some questions. He just doesn't voice them in the same way. Yeah, Deckard... With Deckard, it seems like uh, he's more like, well, I don't really want to do any of this, but this is the way it is, so I guess I will. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like by the end, he's just like trying to stay alive because Roy Batty is just scary uh, to go up with and go up against in like yeah. any kind of fight. But also, he was, like, nearly about to die, so you just had to, like, live long enough not to be killed by him. Yeah. It's it's like a Smash tournament where there's, like, 15 seconds left, and you, you've got the percentage advantage. Yeah. <laughs> but, yep, <laughs> Harrison Ford is Jigglypuff. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Oh, why am I why am I making these comparisons? And then Bowser stands in the rain and... <laughs> gives his final speech and lets a dove fly up into the sky like his soul leaving to heaven. 
I've seen Koopas on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Mm. Oh, the I I am not in a good, good headspace right now. Yeah, no, we're Oops. recording this late. You've had an exhausting overtime week. I've had not really overtime, just overwork. Exhausting week, so I think, yeah, we're tired. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so Blade Runner, you know, it's, yeah, it's a noir. You know, it, it's a classic movie. It's got, like, a lot of really good just visual effects and set design and atmosphere and, you know, like the music by Vangelis just has that like like sci-fi noir kind of feel um, which I mean considering this was made in like 1982 it's probably like one of the first big examples of that like um, I guess near future I think I wrote down what year this movie is it's yeah it's set in the year 2020 so yeah yeah it's 2019. 2019 2020 yeah oh yeah because uh the the replicants were made in 2016 yeah. so yeah 2020 would be when their uh about their genetics start killing them yeah. yeah 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 so it's it's in the year 2020 where we have flying cars uh and also still have coca-cola <laughs> advertised on giant billboards and we have we have big holographic billboards of geisha, apparently. Yep. <laughs> trying to sell us things. Yep. And constant rain, and, uh, yeah, like a lot of Asian culture spread out throughout America. Because it's set in America, I'm pretty sure, if I remember right. Like, uh. Do they. I think they do establish that. That it's, I think, like, West Coast. I know they do in 2049, yeah. but I don't I don't remember any specific details from um, Blade Runner itself saying where it is. Yeah. Like not not I'm I'm not saying they aren't there because I I was not yeah, like I think always paying the closest attention. If anything, the like police at the toward the start might have said something. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, also the, people can make video the, calls, but they have to do it through pay phones. <laughs> in this version, of I was gonna bring, I was gonna bring that up. Like they, I I love um, retro sci-fi, mm. like where they, yeah, it, it's they're like, how, how how do we make this thing futuristic? Oh, let let's make a video pay phone. <laughs> Like, like, cell phones will never exist. Yeah, they're looking at, like, the technology they had in the 80s and thinking about how to make it futuristic, but it's still based in the ideas of how tech worked in the 80s. Like, payphones being a thing that, like, that's how you make your calls. Yeah, it's, it's the same in, like, Alien, where, like, there's just a bunch of like lit up buttons um on computer panels like oh all this stuff must do something i guess mm. <laughs> like it, it's it's very much what 
like if if you were in the 80s and you wanted to like make what a computer would look like um 200 years from now i guess you would think that it might just be like a big panel filled with lit up buttons mm. yeah and not a touch screen yeah i also kind of wondered what the price is on snakes because they make a big point about how expensive it is to get like a fake uh like genetically engineered snake but then when he confronts the person who has the fake snake he's like well do you think i'd have that if i could afford a real snake so i guess real snakes must be really expensive yeah i i think real animals in general they they imply are like so rare Mm. um that they're almost impossible to get yeah because the earth is pretty messed up uh enough that like everybody's talking about the off-world colonies now they're like that's what the replicants were made for to go off to these other planets but then there was some kind of uprising and now they're hunted by the blade runners yeah yeah i i don't know what else to say nah, about blade it, like it, it's jump it's, into it's, 2049 it, it's it's the kind of movie that like if you haven't seen it you kind of just have to watch it yeah i mean it, like if if you want to you know see all the sci-fi classics like the ones that establish a lot of the tropes and ideas that you know have you know, just continued like yeah it's definitely one to watch as a classic and it is a good movie it's just you know expected to be a little slow and atmospheric um and then yeah like 2049 the sequel kind of digs more into the ideas that uh that first one set up yeah like like we have a detective who's unambiguously a replicant like and that's uh, yeah so okay we should probably address like the big theory about the first one is whether or not deckard is a replicant um and that, like, the director has said, yes, he is. Harrison Ford has said, no, he's not. Um, but <laughs> the, the ambi- like, really, the ambiguity of it is the more important part, I think. Like, the idea that he could be a replicant is just, it fits in with this idea of, you know, that, because, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It's like the, the premise of the movie is that there are these, like, artificially made humans um that the the, like robotics technology robotics quote-unquote has evolved to the point that they're basically making people out of people parts but treating them like machines who are just supposed to do what they're told um but you know they're they are people and they have their own like wills and desires and they want to live and survive and that's you know kind of what deckard you know finds along the way while he's trying to hunt these guys down that they're you know they want to live like anyone else um and there's like an implication that deckard himself could be a replicant because uh at least some models of replicant have implanted memories and he has this weird dream about a unicorn and then sees an origami (laughs) unicorn made by the guy who supposedly it might be that guy's memories that deckard has um it's a very weird detail if he's not a replicant but at the same time if he is a replicant that kind of takes away the power of him learning to empathize with the replicants 
because what does it matter yeah. if a replicant agrees with the replicants? I mean, if it's a human who sees the humanity in the replicants, then that's more meaningful. So, it's a whole thing. Yeah, it, it's like <laughs> you know, just decades of theory crafting around that idea, but it's more interesting as an idea if it's unanswered. And yeah, twenty forty nine does not answer that. They do bring Harrison Ford back. They don't answer the question for the better you know they just leave it open um yeah 2049 it has a protagonist named k who is absolutely unquestionably a replicant and he's serving as a blade runner you know he has to hunt down his own kind um and you know this is like all kinds of you know you see how people treat him how they regard him and you know replicants in general um but in a way the movie's not really about that it's kind of more about women like feminism in a way um cuz like the the plot hinges around a mystery of so the uh Kay at the start of the movie goes and hunts down uh, Dave Batista who does like a really good he plays like a very serious character but he does a really good job with it like you know if you've only seen him as Drax like you have to see him in this movie he's he's got range um is he the only wrestler that can actually act um possibly i mean the rock has played a lot of fun characters but they're all very fun uh somewhat cheesy characters yeah yeah i don't think he's actually i don't think he's ever played a serious role yeah. Yeah. No, but he's he's got he he can play fun and campy characters, but he can also play, you know, like this guy yeah. is like a very like quiet, unassuming person who can also kick your ass if you try to kill him. Yeah, because he is eight feet tall and made of stone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he is a replicant who has been hiding a body. Um, well. When Kay goes to hunt him, it's just because he's a replicant. He finds out that there's this body that's buried under a tree on his uh, this like farm that he's been living at, um, and they do some investigating and find out that the body belonged to a replicant woman who I don't know if they stated it. It's implied and revealed that it's Rachel from the first movie, um, and that she was pregnant with a child. You know, at the time, or although you know, there's no body of the child, so the child was born. Um, but that is kind of an earth-shattering revelation for anyone who is told about it, because they try to keep it quiet. But um, you know, the idea that if replicants can reproduce, that they um, you know can like control their own lives, they're not dependent on like the people that made them. Um, so, like, yeah, that, it, and that idea kind of gets developed in the background of the movie. That, you know, you've got, like, replicants who are just, like, attached to this idea that, you know, if if one of us had a child, then maybe there's hope for our people. Um, and then you've got the bad guy played by uh, Jared Leto, who is this... He's a guy. He's like the new head of the genetic engineering company. He bought out the old one after 
you know, the, because of events, it, that company like crashed and burned, and he I, bought them out, and now he's making his own I, people. I I will say that that is the perfect role for Jared Leto, just like a weird, creepy asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. He's he's this just really creepy guy. Like he's he's blind, but I didn't. I don't think. I think he's he like intentionally blinded himself so that he can see things through these machines that he's got like implanted into like a remote implanted in his head so he can just send these little eye cameras around and look at things and yeah he's just this like weird creepy guy who's taken over the company he can make people who he insists are like completely obedient the way he's made them um and that they're like the new slave labor that he'll use to like build ships and colonize the you know solar system or whatever um but you know when he finds out that there's you know one that had a baby he's like well shit i guess tyrell one-upped me by making a better replicant and why can't we do that and yeah he's so like the idea of like women being able to have children is you know like a power that he doesn't have and he's like mad about that there's i don't know i feel like there's so much going on in the movie it's hard for me to explain in words um as i'm trying to explain the movie there's just yeah it's just layers of like meaning and ideas building up there's not much you could really say about it with the synopsis (laughs) yeah yeah i mean so i guess okay let's see base level story Kay finds out that there's a body of a pregnant replicant and they're trying to keep that secret because if news gets out that, you know, has all kinds of implications for this world. Um, and he d- starts doing some investigating into this, like, mystery child, starts to suspect maybe it's him, finds out actually no, it's not, it's someone else. Um, and also he tracks down the father to Harrison Ford, who has been hiding out in, uh, like, the dusty remains of Las Vegas. Um, and then, you know, the person from the company has been tasked with keeping, like, the information about the, the replicant baby quiet, so she's, like, tracking Kay down as he's tracking Harrison Ford down, and there's a fight, Harrison Ford gets captured, and Kay, uh, makes a decision to go rescue him, and then reunite him with his uh, daughter, and um, and then he dies because you know sad. Um, but yeah, so that that's like the base level story. The like deeper metaphorical meaning, you know, there's like you know like feminist ideas in there. Um, honestly, I think the the part that most interested me on the second viewing, or it's not second, I've seen it, I saw it a few times the year it came out, and I haven't really watched it much since, but uh, Joy, the AI, is, it's really weird how they use that character and present that character. Um, yeah. The first time I watched it, it's like, okay, because I know that the core idea of Blade Runner is um, these people who have the bodies of people 
and look like people and talk like people are actually people, despite the fact that they were made in a lab, basically. Uh, you know, it's about, like, expanding the idea of human rights to include, you know, people who aren't traditional people. Um, you know, it's, like, a very sci-fi idea of, you know, expanding your perception of what it means to be, like, a sentient person. Um, so, in this one, they introduced this AI, uh, who, her name is Joy, and she is... Like, she, her, her program is that she, like, exists to be, like, a fun friend and companion to whoever bought her. Um, so she, like, hologram walks around Kay's house and makes dinner for him and stuff using a mix of technology to make it look like, you know, she, she's, like, the ultimate real doll. Um. <laughs> oh my god. But, because of, you know, these themes of, like, what it means to be human and expanding the idea of humanity, I assumed where they were going with it is that, yes, she is a program, but also she's kind of evolved beyond her programming and that like she's also a person. Um, and, like, that's that's why we care about her. That's why, you know, when... Like, why it's exciting that he... And he buys this thing that he can plug into her, like, processor box or whatever to make it so she can travel around remotely through this like little stick remote so she can you know she's excited that she can travel and see the world and like it feels very human the way she's presented it feels like she actually cares about Kay and you know just I don't know she feels like a person and it feels like that's like that's where I would expect the story to go um and that's why it's like sad and shocking when she, you know, dies. I, I guess yeah, she she dies because yeah. he had in, in order to get off the grid and away from the company, he had to like rig the programming so that she only existed on this portable stick drive, and her like <clears throat> home version is like gone. Uh, and then the stick gets destroyed by the company lady, so that kills her. Um, and that, yeah, like, it's sad because it's, she was a person. Um, but on the second viewing, I'm starting to lean toward, because it, it always felt weird. The, you know, like, right after her death, he goes back to the city and is, like, walking around sad and sees, like, an advertisement version of, like, the baseline version of her which is a big naked pink woman who's just like super flirty but she uses a lot of the same like phrases and words that um his version of joy had uh which on my first viewing i took that scene to mean that um you know as like an example of how far she'd come from the baseline version that she was like a unique and special person um but on this viewing, I kind of feel like it's the opposite. That the whole point of Joy is that he is trying to see humanity in a program that is designed to mimic humanity. But, uh, you know, after seeing that the baseline version, he has the realization that no, she didn't really matter, and what really matters are the replicant community who are, you know, in danger with, like, 
Harrison Ford in custody and everything. And that, because he sees the baseline version and then makes his resolution to go um, rescue Deckard. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's it's very weird how, you know, the, the way they present Joy. Because I don't know if they're trying to make us sympathize or make us think that Kay is attributing the personhood to a thing that is not a person. Yeah, uh, what... What I realized is that you put a lot more thought into this movie than I did, and I feel kind of bad about that. <laughs> nah, it's uh, it's fine. Uh, it, it's it, it's a side effect of how I watched it, um, mm. because it's a long movie, and I've been working overtime, so I had to split it in half to get through it. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, yeah, it, which... it's a long movie, and it's the kind of philosophical bullshit that I sometimes go for. I don't always go for it, but uh, I did with this one, and also it's one that I saw multiple times back in 2017 when it came out, so it's not a first viewing for me on this. Yeah, And also, as we established, our tastes are very different, apparently. Uh, at least sometimes, like in this case, where I picked this movie that makes me think deep thoughts about whether AI or people or not, and uh, Pacific Rim, which we can talk about now, <laughs> where uh, there's giant robots, but they can only be, like, the the <laughs> mental load of them can only be carried by two people working together in they, uh, sing. They, they can only be piloted by love. Yeah, you need two people <laughs> is... who can work together and, like, meld their minds together in, like, a perfect bond so the strength of their bond of friendship can power the robot or at least control the psychic load of the robot so they can pilot it to yeah. kill kaiju that are coming out of a big hole in the middle of the ocean. The, the science reason is that the human brain cannot like sustain the stress from piloting a giant robot by itself. Yeah. But the real reason is um, this is the most the power anime friendship live action robot. movie ever. <laughs> it it is like like okay, Alita Battle Angel mm. is is literally based is, on an anime. Yes, but also it's not as anime as Pacific Rim. Yeah. It, it's like the, the 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 names is like a, a lot of it just comes like straight from um, Neon Genesis Evangelion, mm. like the whole you know giant robots fighting, like kind of kind of biomechanical like monsters from a different world. Mm. Yeah, like bioengineered um, like weapon yeah. monsters, and and also. Um, Stacker Pentecost name I'm pretty sure is just a direct reference to the naming schemes from Ava because they're just random like Christian words thrown together to sound cool mm. uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah it, I, giant robots powered by the bonds of friendship yep Who? If you if you pilot a robot with somebody 
you exchange all your memories so um it must be very awkward for the father-son team <laughs> because he probably oh, gets the memories of when born? his dad banged his mom yeah. <laughs> yeah hey dad when was i conceived oh uh in the back of a ford f-150 <laughs> We had just gotten drunk at Applebee's. <laughs> but like Blade Runner, this movie also has a lot of like atmosphere and visual design, which, I mean, really everything Del Toro does has just yeah. very heavy emphasis on like designing all the details of this world. Yeah, G- Guillermo Del Toro is a fucking genius madman, mm. um, and I love him. <laughs> Yeah. Like I I would kiss him if I was in the same room as him, but that will never happen. So I don't have to live up to that promise. Mm. Uh, no, he he's too busy making video games with uh, Kojima now. I don't think <laughs> about that ever. Mm. I mean, I, I haven't played <laughs> because, because I don't have a PlayStation. I haven't played um the that's strange. Yeah, I, I was, I couldn't remember the name, so I was gonna make up a joke about the baby and your, the, the postman carrying a baby <laughs> in his backpack around the wasteland or whatever. Uh, the baby in the bathwater yeah. rated him for mature. <laughs> yeah, the but yeah, there's you know the Del Toro character in that game. I don't know what he does. I just know he has a role. I think he's like a government stooge, mm. but I haven't actually played it. I've just seen clips, so mm. maybe not. Yeah, I could. That could be completely off. But but anyway, yeah, this... Gamble Del Toro is very good at like background detail mm. and like nailing emotional beats um, of characters. Like even even when they're not very complex, like Pacific Rim. Um, it, it, it feels a lot smarter than it, I think it actually is. Mm. <laughs> Just because it, it, it works so well. Like, it's kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy 2 for me. Mm. Or like, is it, is it the most, like, complex relationships ever? No. But th- they work, th- they feel so well. Or, or they they feel like they go so well together that um, I I I can't help but love it. Mm. Oh, actually, Guardians Two reminds me. I saw an article earlier that um, Karen Gillan, the Nebula actress, uh, said that she cried while reading the script to three. So expect uh, he wasn't your daddy kind of scene. It's probably going to happen in three. It's going to be some. <laughs> heartbreaking sad thing probably very emotional. i i i want um oh god i can't remember the character's name mm. um, I, mean, I could almost see i i think they said like rocket was gonna have a big role in three so i could see some if they get into like his backstory does he have dead people yeah <laughs> i mean i i only know from the the telltale <laughs> games version but yeah, no, there was like a otter girl that he was escaping with, and she died in the process. Oh, that's sad. 
Wait, so he he's he's like a, a science experiment, right? Like to give animals intelligence. Is that yeah? Is that his backstory? Yeah, yeah. It was like a lab. I think it was like the high evolutionary or someone like that was. Yeah, they had like a lab where they were taking animals and putting like cybernetic implants and stuff in them to try to evolve them into like sentient creatures who could walk around on two legs and everything. Yeah, uh, Marvel is very weird and diverse, I guess is the word. Mm. Like, it's, I don't know, it's just always funny to me how you can have a a talking raccoon in the same universe as uh, Dracula. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it... it yeah, I mean, it goes yeah, back to, like, I the early know. days, how so a lot of the stuff was made separately, and then they decided to cross it over. Yeah, they, they decided to throw everything in the same universe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Superman and Spider-Man have fought before, so I guess technically the DC Universe exists in the Marvel Universe. At some point before an infinite crisis made that not the case. Was it Lobo who fought Wolverine? Probably. In, what, in one of the crossovers? Probably. So I think I think they've crossed over a few times. Yeah, I mean, they, they've had one big like, versus crossover... But I think the first one from, like, the... Uh, well, I guess it must have been the 60s, because Spider-Man didn't get invented until 1962. But, yeah, there was, like, an early one that was, like, a very famous cover yeah. of Superman versus Spider-Man. Yeah, I I know about that one. I but Yeah, I want to say, like, in the 80s, there was a, like, company-wide crossover event between Marvel and DC. Yeah, I... I, wasn't it mostly just like this character fights this character? Probably, like similar. Yeah, like you usually with similar characters. Yeah, like like Lobo and Wolverine. Like I I think Lobo is like a a parody of Wolverine in a way. Hmm. Like the the cool indestructible badass type character. Hmm. The the same way that Deadpool was eventually. Um, a parody of, uh, God, I'm blank. Deathstroke? Yep. I. Yep, yeah. Wade Wilson names. is a parody of Slade Wilson. Right. I. Like, sometimes names just don't sound right when I think of them. Mm. Well, yeah, because they don't call Slade Deathstroke. I mean, I guess he's kind of started getting called Deathstroke again in newer stuff, but. At least in the Teen Titans days, he was always just Slade. And speaking of Ron Perlman... <laughs> mm. yeah, Ron Perlman oh. has a cameo that becomes like a minor role. Re- remember how I said in, in Alien Resurrection that every movie should just have Ron Perlman being an asshole mm. uh, for, like, for a few minutes? Like th- This is what I was talking about specifically. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like he—he's just—it—it's—it's it, it's the confidence with with which he delivers such like stupid jerk ass lines that I I can't help but love it. Mm. Yeah, like with 
that scene, like, that scene took a lot of turns that I wasn't, because I've only seen the movie once, maybe twice before now, and that was years ago. Like, I vaguely remembered what happened, but, like, I didn't remember everything that's like, oh yeah, he went to that guy because he needed a kaiju brain, and he had all kinds of kaiju stuff, but then it turned out that because he drifted with the, the kaiju brain that the kaiju was coming to kill him. And that Ron Perlman yeah, knew like, that would happen because he did it once. Yeah, like Char- Charlie's just uh, standing there explaining, "Oh yeah, all the all the kaiju have like a kind of hive mind," and, <laughs> and then Ron, Ron Perlman's character's just like, "Wait, so you drifted with one, and they have a hive mind? Get the fuck out of my building!" Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, like he pulls off the glasses and he's reveals yeah like i've done it once too i've got the same you know what was it, like twitchy eye or bleeding eye or some kind of yeah. after effect you get from when you drift with the kaiju brain i i was never really sure whether he meant that he drifted with a kaiju or or that uh but yeah that i'm pretty sure that's what he meant <laughs> yeah i mean cause I, the, I, the implication i got is that he knew that's what would happen because he did it once and it happened. Yeah. Because, like, the, the the way he says it is is that, like, you're going to a public refuge. Um, I'm going to my private one. And and, and he's, he, said that, uh, he says something else and he's like, yeah, I, I know it's dangerous. I've done it before. And then he opens up his eye. Or, like, he, he lifts up his glasses and he's missing an eye. Mm. And, like, yeah, he's talking about drifting with a kaiju, but the 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 flow of the conversation is like, oh, yeah, I've been to a public uh, a public kaiju bunker. Like, look, I got my eye cut out. Mm. Like, it's, I don't know, I, like, it's not awkward. Like, you know what, what he means. It's just this time I was like, oh, I, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, and I also, I kind of expected when, you know, Charlie Day goes to the general and he's like, I need a kaiju brain so we can find out intel on them. The the response would have been, okay, let's have Gypsy Danger go rip a kaiju's head off so they could get a brain. But no, he sends him to go talk to the guy on the side quest that, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Yeah. When, when they said, when he goes to the general and says, I need a kaiju brain, I thought he would just use his giant robots and get one. Like, because they, they cut yeah. up kaiju all the time. They should be able to just lop one's head off. But then they... I think the idea is that they don't have the resources to, like, actually, um... What's the word? Salvage one? Yeah, like, preserve properly. one. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, they do establish later that, yeah, the brain, once it's, you know, dead, um, only has, like, so many minutes before it becomes useless. Yeah. Um. Also, I I love how even the, I love how even the even the scientists get to like drift together. Mm. Like it's yeah, it's, power it, it's it's such a thing that doesn't need to happen, but I'm glad it does. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like the scientists are the most fun characters. Like the yeah. the main guy, he's kind of you know stock standard action movie guy. Um, yeah. And he's 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 like a bit more emotional than your average, like openly emotional than your average like 
Hollywood, um, big tough main character action movie guy. Yeah. But other other than that, like he he's really not that interesting by himself. Um, yeah, he's like almost the audience insert kind of person you see yourself in. You know the yeah that kind of trope of character design. Mako is the real main character. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, she's the one we actually get like backstory on. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, like we actually get her whole backstory, not just um, like a, a, not just like a narration explanation of like I. Oh, uh, me and my brother got in fights a lot. We were never good at anything else. Then we piloted a Jaeger, and mm. then we get to see his brother dying. Yeah. He will never drift again until he does. <laughs> I, I, I do like how they, how they, they suggest, like, that how shitty the world has gotten since kaiju have become a thing mm. like like they're they're building the kaiju wall the the anti-kaiju wall yeah the useless they're wall. like yeah <laughs> like how how do they expect that like are, are they expecting just to have um like kaiju roaming around in the pacific forever yeah apparently <laughs> although like, i did I, find it fun- like they have that whole intro exposition thing where they explain like what happened after the kaiju started showing up in the world and i did not expect or remember that it took a turn into like japanese game shows making fun of kaijus yeah which didn't really become like a thing later in the story it's just a thing they did for fun at the start that it's like the world in reaction to giant monsters rampaging around eventually just got kind of used to it and kind of tired of it and just made jokes about it so i guess the wall is because they weren't taking the threat as seriously anymore they're like we don't need to spend the money on these big robots and we can spend slightly less money building an enormous like 50 foot deep wall yeah i mean or they could just build like a giant Ace Combat style, um, <laughs> like super weapon that doesn't have to be piloted mm. by two people at once, but has has the power of a giant mech arm. Mm. Uh, like, like I mean, but then they have to find a, a way to like herd the kaiju toward the giant mech arm so they could smash them. No, no, like. Literally just just build Stonehenge from Ace Combat. <laughs> like it, it's a it's a intercontinental railgun. Mm. <laughs> like I I get po- poking holes in like mecha stories is not fun. I get it, mm. but I also love Ace Combat. And I want to talk about it. So there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess if they had like a long enough range gun that they could tilt. Although I don't know the curvature of the Earth and the length of the Pacific. Would a railgun still work with that, with the bullet curve around the gravity of the Earth? Yeah, it, it's wanted rules. Okay. <laughs> you, cur- 
fire with the bullet. Because, like, like, even after fire with enough force that it's not going, you know, the, it, it would go all the way to its destination, but not go through the atmosphere and just, like, continue straight into space. Or just, I guess, if you had multiple of these giant guns, which would probably still cost about as much as a wall oh. that spans the entire Pacific Rim, um, you just get, like, I don't know, four, six of them, you put them <gasps> in distance around, yeah. Yeah, it's called the Pacific Rim because it's all set around the rim of the Pacific Ocean. Dude. Dude. <laughs> do, do you think those fuckers in, like, Germany are just sitting there like, oh, those stupid Americans and Japanese and other people on the Pacific? Like, what What the fuck are they even doing fighting giant monsters? Yeah. Why are they using our word yeah. <laughs> for their giant robots? Yeah. Like, because the, 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 kai, the kaiju, like, them using kaiju, like, kind of makes sense because Japan... Yeah, Japan is affected um, by these And attacks. also... And also, it, it like, it's a culturally known word yeah. that would probably get more popular if giant monsters were actually real um i don't know why jaeger would become a word though mm. like I mean, I mean like again like poking holes in this movie it's not okay i like, only played seven it, it's it's pointless a couple of years ago <laughs> but also we still have dragon Ball. i i don't know Let's talk about Ace Combat. <laughs> I have played... Uh, I have played almost all of them. <laughs> but not not really all of them. Um, hmm. Let's see. Wait. Do we have anything else to say about Pacific Rim? Um, <laughs> Australians are assholes. <laughs> That's it. So, if you're listening to this and you're Australian, I'm sorry that you're such an asshole. So, Dragon Ball? Yeah. What's your What's your favorite Dragon Ball? Mine is the five star. Mm. Yeah, five is a good number of stars. Yeah. I think seven is too much. Mm. One is too little. Like that... That four or five Actually, range is perfect. Yeah, I don't know how they're arranged on the seven, but if they did it like uh, Regigigas, or not Regigig, uh, Registeel's face, where it's like one in the middle and then six around that, that could look cool. That that's basically how it is. Yeah, like okay, yeah, vertical rows of like, two, I like three, those, two. Yeah, like the, those kind of symmetrical circular patterns, like five. You got one in the middle and then four around it, and I guess seven would be one in the middle and six around it. Yeah, and apparently Dragon Balls look the same no matter which um, way you view them from. Like mm. you, you always see the well, stars. Yeah, it's easier to animate them that way. <laughs> oh no, you've you've discovered the secret of Dragon Ball is just yeah, do I whatever we, we talked about that last time. Do whatever makes it easier to animate. <laughs> Yeah. To to draw and animate. Yeah. Um 
What's your favorite Dragon Ball Z abridged joke from the first ten episodes? Is it that Piccolo's a Yoshi? Because that was never funny to me. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about I, I kind of binge-watched all ten, like a week ago, so... I don't remember. The only did, did you thing enjoy I remember the was mic? being a little confused the... by Mr. Popo every time they zoomed in on his face. <laughs> Mr. Popo is like the only character, well, one of two characters that they just completely change from the original. Because mm. in, in the original, Mr. Popo is just like a, a boring, like, good guy. He's like, Mm. Oh, I'll do whatever, whatever to help out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and and a bridge popo is basically just a god of chaos. Mm. Like not not. Um, like they never say he's a god of chaos. They never really explain like who or what he is. But that's just basically what he is. Yeah, is he still around? Because I haven't seen him in Super. From what yeah, I he's he's still around on Earth, as far as I know. Okay, so he's just one of those characters that got dropped. Well, he's he does things, just not super interesting things. Like I, like in in the next arc of Dragon Ball Z, like he at one point he collects all the Dragon Balls. Um, but that's all he does. <laughs> like he's 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 not a character that really does things. He so explains he wish for panties after he gets uh, no all the Dragon Balls. That would be hilarious. He might wish for drugs. That's a thing that mm. he might do. <laughs> um. Also, the pig who wished for the panties is he still around? Because I don't remember seeing a pig any yeah in any of the newer stuff yeah he he's he's around he doesn't again he doesn't really do anything he's just a character that hangs around at at the island house um okay so so it's like that joke i think there was a joke in these episodes of abridged of everyone else who's just sitting at the house talking about how they used to be part of the adventure but relevant they're not yeah <laughs> Because it's just uh, yeah. Goku and Gohan and Vegeta fighting in a canyon somewhere, like it's a Sentai. And as as the series goes on, that that number grows <laughs> of the char- fun side characters who just end up hanging around doing nothing somewhere else. Yeah, like <laughs> um, Tn gets one, like he does one thing later. Mm. Um, but that's about it. Like, Yamcha doesn't do anything except get killed. <laughs> like, he's, he never does anything useful ever again. Mm. Um, I mean, I know I, Roshi has come back to do stuff at points. Yeah. Like, he's there in the... Like, Super, I've only watched Broly, and I've seen most of the Tournament of Power arc now. And Roshi's back in that. And he did some training to not be horny against uh, the female combatants he has to go up against. <laughs> what What a holdover joke from the 80s, right? That <laughs> mm. There's, like, if I, if I explain to you, like, some of the horniest jokes from 
the original Dragon Ball run, like you would probably not want to watch the rest of the series. Mm. Like it, it's it's pretty it gets pretty bad. <laughs> like like Roshi is legitimately um, an asshole and maybe asexual predator. Um, don't want to mm. talk about that anymore. <laughs> um, no, he, well, now, I mean, because I guess, like, part of, because I was trying to look into, like, the, the order that the series happened in and, you know, history of the series and stuff. And I guess Super has gotten some flack for being, it, it's marketed more toward kids so it doesn't have as much of, like, the graphic violence that Z had. Um, or, like, any, you know, yeah. blood or uh, dismemberment. Um, so, yeah, so I guess, like, toning down Roshi is part of that, too. That Super is meant to be, at least in all ages, Dragon Ball uh, storyline. Yeah, like, even, even in, drag like, the original Dragon Ball itself, like, when... When it stopped being, when it stopped being more of a comedy adventure show and started being more of a like martial arts action show, mm. like he he got less that um, mm. as it went on until like in in Z he's basically a background character he doesn't really do anything, mm. And then, yeah, in Super, they want him to be relevant again, so they kind of change him, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and um, like, yeah, because I still... Go uh, on. All, all I've seen of Z, really, aside from, like, commercials back in the 2000s, is um, these abridged episodes that we just watched this week. So, like, I had always been under the impression that, like, Dragon Ball, especially, like, Z, um... It was like a very serious anime, but at least from watching Super, it's it's actually like really fun and campy and just you know the whole naming scheme thing has always been amusing. <laughs> Ever since you know I've been picking up on uh, like the conventions, like so many characters are just named after food or or stuff. Um, like I found out, you know, like the next super arc involves uh, a guy named Granola from the planet Serial. So I'm hoping that gets adapted at some point because I want to see what happens with Granola. I'm, I'm sure it will. Like Dragon Ball is money, uh, so it'll happen eventually. Hmm. Did you did you realize what the naming scheme for the Gods of Destruction are? Uh, oh man, what's I'm trying to remember? Like the Beerus and Beerus and Weiss and uh, like Champa is the alternate universe, one of the alternate universe ones. Hmm. I'm okay. Is it I'll let you think about it. Beer and wheat. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's. Like alcoholic drinks, like beer okay. and whiskey and champagne. Oh, okay, okay. Like I, I honestly haven't looked into the other names, so I, I could be off, and I'm just. But I, I think that's it. 
Yeah, I mean, probably, like, I think, because I also, one of the universes in the Tournament of Power, they, like, mentioned a few of the characters' names, and I think they were all named after, like, soda or soft drinks or something. <laughs> I I need to watch the Tournament of Power. Like, I, I have mm. no interest in all the other super stuff, but I think the Tournament of Power is one thing I should watch, because it's not just regular like mm. Dragon Ball Z esque, um, yeah. Big villain comes in, wants to destroy world. Yeah. They fight, they lose, then they eventually win. Yeah, like it's it's a lot of char- like fun character designs, and they're all fighting on behalf of their universes. So none of them are really the bad guy. Like if anyone involved yeah. is the bad guy, it's Zeno. And Zeno, like, I I kind I looked into getting a Zeno plushie. Because I couldn't find one that was as adorable as the character, but the character is adorable and terrifying. Because Zeno is <laughs> like the god of all the universes, and it's, it's this guy who kind of looks like the little prince from uh, uh, Katamari Damacy. Yeah, I looked up to see. I, I was trying to find. I assume there's something in Japanese folklore. That these designs of this like oval-headed godchild is based on, but I couldn't find what the origin of that you know design is. But yeah, the, it's just huh. this adorable little like childlike uber god who can destroy universes with just holding up his hand and it glows and boom, the universe is gone. Um, but otherwise, like yeah, he just he. He wants all the universes to fight because he, he, there's too many of them and he doesn't want to have to pay attention to all of them. So they all send their ten champions to go fight and he's just like childlike glee anytime someone does something cool. Um, also there's two Xenos because there was a Xeno from a future universe that I guess Goku brought back to be a friend of the uh, <laughs> regular timeline Xeno, so... Yeah, so there's two of them. Yeah, I I think the only people Zeno likes are Zeno and Goku. Yeah. Everyone else is just like just exists. Yeah. Um, no, he he's like an infinitely powerful child. Yep. Dragon Ball is dumb. Mm. It, like it, it is. It really is. That doesn't mean I don't love it, but it's very dumb. Well, yeah, it, it's um, campy. It's like very over the top. Uh, like, in, like the action is over the top. Like the names and the character designs, and it's just it's it's very cheesy. Yeah. Oh, and, and <clears throat> like you were saying earlier, like yeah, Dragon Ball Z does get pretty damn dark. Like, okay, because that was the impression I got from like commercials and friends who watched it. But since I didn't watch it, I didn't know. And now I'm watching Super, and it's like, wow, this is cheesy and fun. But I I don't know if that's just because that's what Super is. It that it's a more campy, like silly fun yeah. take on the franchise than Z was. It Super is like trying to go back to the roots while still keeping the the stakes of Z. Mm. 
Um, While also the, being influenced by the uh, greater toy sales you can get out of making a more family-friendly uh, story. Yeah, because like even like I I played uh, through about half of uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot that came out I think about a mm-hmm. year ago, um, and like even that like they don't show most of the violence um like in okay spoiler alert vegeta kills somebody uh in in the in the next in the next arc like after the one we watched um which we actually didn't talk about at all oh yeah (laughs) Um, uh yeah i mean it it seemed pretty straightforward what the arc well you know the yeah like it, it's vegeta and the saiyans come to earth to go check up on goku first there's the thing with raditz and he kidnaps gohan and then they you know kill him or beat him up or something um i think he was dead because yeah and then then it's vegeta and the other saiyans and and goku has to go fight them and his power is over nine thousand and um and then vegeta becomes a giant <laughs> monkey and then they defeat him by ripping his tail off yeah they 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 defeat him like four times before he's actually yeah. done yeah oh yeah it's, like he, it's a shonen anime it, fight there's a lot of you know it's person triumph over person but oh no there's a twist actually and now it's flipped yeah vegeta takes like three or four finishing shots and the the one that finally does him in is a giant monkey falling on him <laughs> mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, because that yeah wasn't that like Gohan had become a giant monkey yeah. and then he severed his tail, but he was Gohan's... still still giant as he was falling. Yeah, Go- Gohan's tail conveniently grew back at that one moment mm. where Vegeta's fake moon was still up, so he yeah. turned into a great ape and um tried to jump on vegeta and vegeta cut off his tail and then as gohan was turning back into a small baby person um he fell on vegeta (laughs) that's what finally did him in oh yeah i missed the part that it was a fake moon so i thought piccolo just blew up the moon and i just accepted that as yeah i guess that'd be a plot point that is at least the second time the moon was destroyed. Because <laughs> the, the first... The, Do they have to the Dragon first, Ball wish the moon back into place every time? I, I think they did. Because oh, the, the first time um, Goku turns into an ape like during a, during a tournament and Ma- Master Roshi is like Okay, this is bad news. He's gonna kill everyone, so I'll destroy the moon. <laughs> so he he kamehameha's the moon mm. <laughs> and destroys that, so Goku turns back to normal. Mm. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's a thing that happens more than once. And mm. also, <laughs> at at some point, um, Goku puts a rabbit gangster on the moon. Um, oh, before or after it was destroyed? I do not remember. Hmm. It'd be funny if it was before. 
<laughs> He's just floating in space. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dragon Ball is very silly sometimes. Hmm. Not Dragon yeah. Ball Z, where like every fight is a fight to the death. Um, mm, for the fate of the universe. Yeah, I, I mean, the stakes constantly grow. Most of the time it's just Earth, mm. but sometimes okay. it's the universe. Yeah, I mean, by Super, it's the universes. Yeah, the the stakes constantly grow. Because mm. like, at, at the beginning of Dragon Ball, it's just like, oh, this this little... Like, comedy villain wants to get the wish uh, from the Dragon Balls to rule. Like, I don't even think the whole Earth. <laughs> like, I, I think it was just part of the Earth. Wants to rule Japan. Yeah. He wanted to rule the, the, the tri-state area. <laughs> <laughs> wanted to uh, rule the neighborhood. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad you... I'm glad you eventually... Uh, <laughs> got that one. Um... <laughs> But yeah, and then like as as it goes, it's like life or death consequences between Goku and like the increasingly powerful people he fights. Mm. Um, and then we get to Demon King Piccolo, um, who is like a an existential threat <laughs> to mm. the way the Earth works. Um. And yeah, and then after that whole thing, then that leads into Dragon Ball Z, where it's like, oh, this one guy came to Earth looking for Goku, and also he wants to destroy all the life on the Earth and sell the planet. And mm-hmm. then the other two guys want to do the same, and then Vegeta is a space emperor. Um, and then yep. Cell um, wants to destroy the Earth, and then the rest of the universe after because there's no one to stop him and then Majin Buu <laughs> uh, mm. and then Majin Buu um, like destroys all life on earth with one move like just billions of energy balls at once just flying all over the earth like killing everyone on the planet at once that's like con- conceptually right like the the worst mm. thing that happens in Dragon Ball is universes getting destroyed in the blink of an eye, right? Yeah. But like probably physically the worst thing that happens is Majin Buu de- destroying um, all life on the planet in one move. Yeah, I mean it does feel you know, a little not... more personal and targeted than in Super yeah. Broly when uh Frieza, you know, nuked the whole planet Vegeta. Because he didn't yeah. individually pick out each person to kill. He just blew the whole planet up all at once. Right. And Bardock was the only one who tried to not let that happen, apparently. Yeah. Bardock being Goku's dad, who is a, a movie character. Who mm. doesn't... Who technically wasn't canon <laughs> until Super Broly came out. Hmm. Because Dragon Ball Z movies aren't canon. And he only showed up in those. Uh, mm. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Also, I remembered uh, I after last time we had talked about Journey to the West, because that was like the inspiration for Dragon Ball. 
so I read the wiki on it, and it didn't entirely go into detail about everything that happens in it, but um, I did find. Oh, it's it, way it, too long for that. Yeah, it's it's like a hundred chapters or something, but I guess it's because we were wondering like what time it came out. It it was like early sixteen hundreds, I think, is what it said. So really, I, I thought it was older than that. To be honest, yeah, no, it 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 came out in print, like it, it was printed and like translated. It, I think there was at least one translation to another language, but yeah, it, it was you know printed. It was you know that would be like Shakespeare times. So like there was you know ability to like print copies of things and distribute them. So yeah, it was it was a printed yeah. book that became popular and you know the story spread across especially asian cultures although you know other copies made it to other parts of the world and yeah eventually the author did some sort of sequel to it but mostly it was you know the original was the the popular story there was hmm. like a human guy and this uh, the monkey king who was like some kind of trickster like pissed off the gods or something and got imprisoned for a while and then yeah they like the let the, him out and there's also a yeah, it's like character. the that i think it's like the human character is some kind of monk on like a spiritual quest or something yeah and then he meets the Monkey King, and the Monkey King's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I'm not doing anything else important right now. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, eventually they meet the pig man um, who joins them. Yeah, the, the pig the pig guy, Pigsy, I think they said some translations translate his name to. Pigsy <laughs> is like a just hedon, hedonistic, greedy selfish guy like uh, if everyone uh, everyone at the end like they're they're on a journey to go find uh like a scroll i think that has like writing from buddha for enlightenment um and by the end of the journey they're all like become enlightened and transcend into like getting jobs in the heavenly bureaucracy uh, except for pigsy who his you know, reward because he's still a you know very greedy and um, materialistic uh, character. He his he doesn't fully transcend. He instead just gets like a promotion to be able to eat the excess food off of like uh, sacrifices at the temple. You know, like when people offer up you know like food on the altar, he gets to eat the extra. Like that that's his big reward at the end. <laughs> okay. Well, so, well, so I don't know. That, that, that's that's the thing. pig that inspired the pig who wished for the panties. Yeah, Oolong is like uh, apparently apparently the original Oolong is very different from the the Dragon Ball dub Oolong, which is who I'm familiar with. Um mm. so I don't know. Maybe he's different in the in the original, but I mean, if he wished for panties, which he definitely did, then he can't be that different, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's still the same like, greedy, lustful, materialistic uh, character. 
Yep. Oh, but if I remember right, um, Balma gave him like a piece of candy, and when <laughs> whenever she says a like a trigger word, her um, it forces him to have to shit himself. <laughs> Well, that sounds like an interesting like D and D item that you could give your party and see what they do with it. The diarrhea candy, yeah, yeah. It's like, can uh, you give a, a candy? It'll make someone shit. Now, how are you going to? I don't know. Solve whatever problem you have for the week with this as an option. <laughs> what a powerful magical candy artifact. <laughs> <laughs> sweet sweet of shitting mm. plus two is that the title <laughs> if you want it to be <laughs> um, yeah I mean yeah I mean, I don't know how much <laughs> there's left to say about Dragon Ball. Like, it, mm. it's it's a very simple story that just goes on forever, right? Well, yeah, um, I mean, they just keep making up new uh, fun characters and um, stakes for them to fight over. Yeah. So I also oh, saw Black so I, Widow, what? but I don't know... If I should say much about it or not. Um, uh, I mean, say what you want. I'm here. Okay. I mean, I, I, yeah, I've heard a couple reviews. I don't really care what happens. It's a prequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's an interquel. And the um, spoilers that I've said for it in the past are still true. You know, it oh. really was spoiled. Oh no, does Black Widow die? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, Black, Black Widow <laughs> dies between the end of the movie and the start of the credit scene. Because there, there is a credit scene where her sister Yelena is visiting her grave, um, and then the Contessa from uh, uh, Falcon and the Cold Boy, um, she comes in. <laughs> And uh, says she wants to hire her to go hunt down the man responsible for her sister Natasha's death and gives her a photo of Hawkeye. So Yelena's going to be hunting Hawkeye, probably in the Hawkeye TV show, until she realizes it's a misunderstanding and then they team up or something. Do we do we need more Hawkeye content? <laughs> like We're, I, we're I getting feel... more Hawkeye content, whether we need it or not. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Hawkeye's a Hawkeye is a solved problem, right? Like <laughs> he's going to be passing the torch to his daughter in the show. Yeah, Kate Bishop Hawkeye is being set up as the new Hawkeye in the TV show, as far as I know. Like Hawk, I don't know. Like Hawkeye just seems he he's always been like the guy you give like the. The six best lines too in the movie, mm. like, yeah. oh, we're we're fighting robots. I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes any sense. Like, yeah, fuck you, Joss Whedon. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if his daughter has a big role in the show, he might be a second stringer in his own show. <laughs> that would be hilarious. But, like, that that would honestly be great. Yeah. But yeah, the Black Widow movie, yes, it is a prequel. It, um... The limited... Re- like, I haven't seen a lot of people talking in the media box about it. I have heard a couple reviews on podcasts this morning. Um, seems to be generally positive so far. It's not the best Marvel movie, but it's not a bad Marvel movie. It's an enjoyable Marvel movie with a couple, like, I guess caveats, questionable things, I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, most of the Marvel movies have those. It, it's definitely worth watching. It's a fun movie. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Most most of the notes I had were the complaints because it seems like that's just what I focus on. Um, well, it, it's but, complaints are the easiest thing to to vocalize, right? Yeah, because I, I mean, like, like, because like, if you if you like something about a movie, right? Like, you, you're just hmm. like, like you, you're not. You're not really thinking about how much you like it. Like you, you just want to experience it, right? Yeah, it's like, like you don't need to explain the reason why you like something. Yeah. Or if you dislike something, you have to figure out why you dislike it. Yeah, like even like like even when we talked about Spider Verse, right? It's like my my favorite thing about it was that it didn't do a thing that I don't like. Hmm. <laughs> like that 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 was that was the thing I had to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, like because... like my biggest complaint was that there wasn't more of it <laughs> yeah i mean yeah like black widow the i guess okay i guess to get the complaints out of the way the biggest complaints it opens with a prologue scene of black widow as a kid in the 90s who for some reason has blue hair, I guess to contrast her notable red hair that she always has. They, they gave her blue hair, like dyed blue hair as a kid in the 90s. Um, and she's like there in like American suburbia goofing around with her sister Yelena and uh, then her you know, uh, dad, uh, David Harbour, slash Red Guardian, slash I don't remember what is person name was i just remember the actor name and the superhero name but it he, doesn't matter yeah he comes home and you know tells them it's time to pack up and leave and head back to russia because he's completed his um you know like, basically none of them are related you know the two sisters and the father and the mother who's like a scientist the four of them are all russian spies who have been posing as an American family, and he's completed his task, and it's time for them to pack up and leave, and the kids don't want to leave because they've gotten used to it, because they've been living here for, like, three years, and um, staging family photographs to make it look like they're a regular family, but also, um, I mean, along the way, they kind of feel like a family. Um, like, that's kind of, you know, one of the conflicts, especially, like, Natasha, since she's spend so much time with like the avengers at this point she you know like she feels like that's her family and that this 
fake family that she had once is just a thing in the past. And, like, them bonding as a family is, like, one of the journeys of the movie. Um, but, but we have this prologue scene at the start. And it, it was fine, I guess. Um, but I also disliked it because it did the thing that they seem to do with all the the major female superheroes in these movies where they show them as a kid which i feel like it's unnecessary and in a way kind i mean i i i feel it okay i I might be talking out of my ass and just you know completely insane here i i feel like when uh like these you know like action movies go out of their way to show major female character who's going to be like a hero of the movie as a child the idea is it, it it's like a male gaze kind of thing of like we don't want the audience to sexualize this female character so we are going to show her as a child so the men in the audience will look at her from the perspective of a father rather than um being horned for her so you know, it's like, oh, she needs to be protected because she's a child. Like, I don't know, it feel, it just, it always feels weird to me. Like, unless there's, like, a really good reason why you need to show her as a child, it feels like, like she should just be, she's an adult in the movie, just let her be an adult. Like, what, you know, compared to, like, the male heroes, like, we hardly ever see them as children in like their own stories they're allowed to just be their own age you know there isn't that connection usually um you know a couple exceptions of course is like star lord we see him as a kid tony we see i think very briefly almost as a kid in iron man 2 but that's not really the point yeah like it's just his daddy issues but most of his daddy issues are conveyed with him as an adult. You don't need to see him as a kid with yeah. his dad to like, get at, that at most we, At most we see them as, like, young adults. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, again, Tony Stark, um, Steve Rogers. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I do see what you mean. Like, I, I don't... I don't know if that's the reason. Like, I'm not saying you're wrong, but, like, I... Yeah, I mean... I... 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 <laughs> it's just a lot to think about, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a pet peeve that I'm probably overthinking. Like, probably, <clears throat> I don't know, years of internet discourse and that one college media criticism class I took uh, twisted my mind in the way I view these things, but it just feels it, it, it feels like it's trying to avoid sexualizing a female character by making her a vulnerable child uh, which i feel like that's an unnecessary thing like even like like captain marvel does it wonder woman does it um like yeah and and it's just just compared to the male heroes like you usually don't see them as kids so i don't know why unless it's you know that that reason why they feel the need that like female characters you have to see them as children in their own movies it's just i don't know it's it's strange 
But then after the prologue, like, that doesn't, there's no more of that after the prologue. After the prologue, it's just, like, uh, espionage action movie with just a lot of, like, fun action. There's a really good gag in it. Like, there's, like, small gags that sometimes work, sometimes don't. But there's one that really works where they've, like, stolen a helicopter, I think. Um, and... So Natasha and Yelena are flying it, and they've got Red Guardian there in the back, and um, and I think Yelena like looks at the gas gauge, and she's like, "I don't think there's enough to get to where we're going," and Red Guardian's like, "Oh no, there's enough," um, and she's like, "Okay," and then it cuts to the heli- you know, in a new location, the helicopter falling out of the sky and just like soft crash landing into the ground that it, it ran out of gas. Um, I don't know. The, the, time, the timing on that scene, it's, it's just, it's a really funny joke that they do. Like, she just, you know, he said, no, uh, he, you don't need more gas. And she's like, okay, I'm just going to fly it until it dies. And she flies it until it dies. And it crashes. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, no, because, yeah, the rest of the plot, it's... Yelena is also a Black Widow, um, and that since Natasha, we get some flashes back to Budapest, you know, the, the thing that they referenced as almost like a joke in Avengers, um, but the, yeah. the, 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 I, the events I, in Budapest hate, that they just vaguely hate, talked about. Hmm? I hate when, when one-off lines, like, have to be explained. Yeah, like it's t- like solo a Star Wars story. Yeah. Um yeah, no, the Budapest is important because that is when um Natasha broke away from the Red Room and all all that stuff by um blowing up the building where the guy who runs the Red Room is. Um but she feels really bad about it because the only way that she could confirm that the guy was in the room was by waiting for his like 10 year old daughter to, you know, be escorted into the building. And then like, you know, from the street, seeing her entering the office that was, you know, had the bombs planted in it. So, you know, that's how she knew he was in there for sure. And then, yeah, she blew up the building and feels really bad that she killed this kid. Uh, Spoil. I mean, we're already in spoilers, but spoilers. Uh, she didn't actually. She didn't kill because she finds that he actually <laughs> survives the bomb, and also that the kid was horribly scarred. Chewbacca by was actually on another ship. Yeah, and the kid was horribly scarred by the bomb, but she's recovered enough that she's now the taskmaster, who's being sent to you know hunt down stuff and things. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah, since okay. Natasha left the Black Widows, this guy, you know, thought he was dead. Turns out he's not dead, and he's developed this, um, or at least his scientists, because he's just kind of a creepy control freak guy. Um, he's like a tamer version of Black Mask, but he's um, he he's got this technology that lets him like chemically control the minds of his black widow assassins 
So Yelena's under the mind control, but then she gets sprayed with this counter agent that frees her mind, and then she's given, you know, all the vials to go try to free the other Black Widows. So she tracks down Natasha, and then they go track down Red Guardian, who's been in prison, and then they go track down the person who was their mother in the fake family. And there's, you know, plot development stuff, bad guys trying to capture them, and twists and turns and things. Um, and and then yeah then there's a they, they find the red room it's in uh like a floating um military base not quite it's not shaped like an aircraft carrier so it's not really a helicarrier but it's the same kind of idea that it's just a big flying base in the clouds and they infiltrate it and have a bunch of like huh. espionage stuff uh as they destroy the base and and yeah, I don't know. It's it's a fun movie. Um, was there another? Com- no, I think I I did the complaints first, so I got those out of the way. Don't think there was another major one. Um, oh right. Uh, yeah, no other other petty complaints. <laughs> um, the opening theme song is the sad version of "Smells Like Team Spirit." Which is dumb. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> because it's the 90s. The, the, I, the, the, it, yeah. Have, have, have I talked about how much I hate, like, yeah. um, like, sad covers of classic rock songs? Yeah. No, they, they do one of those. Good. I, I hate it. And it, it's also, like, it's, it's always, like, the, the same... <laughs> Like I think it's just one woman that does like every every single one. Is it is it a female vocalist or is it uh might have probably because that I don't that, know if it was Adele again. <laughs> I, I think they, it was Adele should, who did the sad version of um Everybody Wants to Rule the World. They they should have done um they they should have done the puddle of mud version of about a girl, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which which is also very sad, but because it's terrible. Mm. Uh, I I don't know if I've ever shown you this. Uh, I'll, I'll show you after we're finished recording. Mm. It it's it's fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, I mean we're it's we're like if I. Done. It's like if I tried to sing, to sing a Nirvana song. Oh. Okay, so it's so it's not as good as like the goofy version of "Bring Me Back to Life." No, or the Donald version yeah. of uh, "Simple and Clean." Okay, it, it's it's just legitimately terrible. Mm. Well, like in in a in a in a kind of over the top funny way, but mm. yeah, it's it's awful. Puddle, like I have a soft spot for Puddle of Mud because Blurry is in um, Ace Combat Five, mm. <laughs> but yeah, Puddle of Mud is awful. So, <laughs> mm. like n- Newsflash, this this band that hasn't been relevant for twenty years, mm. um, they're they're actually secretly bad. Yeah. Um. Yeah, my other petty complaint, even though it's a weird thing to end 
Black Widow topic on because it, it means nothing to the movie. Uh, just pet peeve the crimes against plushies in this movie because there's um, it's early on after you know they return to Russia from the uh, spy thing. Um, there's like a scene of like you know young girls being rounded up to be you know brainwashed into black widows. So there's like a bunch of them are just like you know clutching their teddy bears and you know plush animals and stuff. And we see like one of them in a puddle. It it's it's sad, but also as a person who's a big fan of plushies, it just breaks my heart to see plushies like that who's sitting there in the rain. Um, and then at the end of the movie, Elena, you know, going to Natasha's grave, um, puts a little plush toy on the grave, and I'm just thinking, that thing's gonna get full of bugs, because this is an outdoor grave, like, like, I know that's the thing people do, it's just, I don't know, it seems, it feels gross, because, like, plushies are meant to be hugged, and if you leave one outside like that, it's, it's just gonna get dirty, and full of bugs, and wet, and moldy, and gross, and and then you won't be able to hug it anymore because it will just make you sick. So, Jade, you are very cute sometimes. Have I ever told you that? <laughs> because uh, that was the most adorable thing I've ever heard. Yeah. No, it's... <laughs> I, I have a, just weird feelings. Because every, every time plushies show up in a movie, it feels like it's like a symbol of innocence that is just going to be destroyed somehow. Yeah. And it's like... You know, like in Aliens, when Newt has the doll, and then she gets grabbed by the the xenomorphs, and you see the doll like float up to the surface in the water, and it's like there to break your heart, and it's like, oh, this is a child's toy. It's like a represent representation of their innocence, and it's it's just there. It's gone. Yeah, it's like a gone. like a, a a toy like lying in the street, like with with nobody around, is like. Um, a cinematic equivalent of somebody getting stabbed in the heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. Oh, look, that belongs to somebody, and they're gonna miss it. It's gonna be very sad. Yeah, like especially in action movies, plushies just take so much abuse for the sake of drama. Yeah. Like anytime someone like a plushie shows up, I just instinctively like clench because I know something terrible is going to happen. <laughs> Oh, that 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 is that is very wholesome, even mm. if it is about plushies dying. Yeah, like just 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 your attitude towards it. Like I I think that's very. It's a very like I I love it. Mm. Okay, so do we need to end with some kind of crude joke to shake off all this wholesomeness, or are we just going to end on wholesomeness? Um, no, we can't do that. That would be like kind of mature mm. we, we can't we can't have that happen what's a joke from dragon ball z abridged you like i don't remember it's been a week the myspace jokes those are very topical mm. <laughs> the 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 first the first part of dragon ball z abridged is not very good <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I bookmarked episode 11 so I could continue watching at some point, but... Yeah, 11, 11 to 20 is the... Or uh, 11 to 30, rather, is the, the Frieza... The Frieza arc. Okay. 
That's where it starts getting like legitimately good. Mm. Oh yeah, that reminds me. We should decide what the next um, thing we're gonna watch is as we wrap up. Um, I was thinking Lord of the Rings, but I can go through the other things we have. We can do that, or or I mean, we could. Well, I mean, I guess technically we could do anything, right? Yeah. No, nobody's um, stopping us. <laughs> I want to add Psychopaths to the list because it, it's another sci-fi thing like inspired by a Philip K. Dick story. <laughs> or, I guess, not a story. Just his work in general. Okay, is that one like a movie or a series? or? It, it's a 26 episode anime series. Okay. Um, it has a second season but it doesn't exist it also has a movie mm. um okay so do we want to do the anime bundle because we've got a few anime on here oh do we what what uh let's see we've got paprika what, what? batman ninja redline gurren logan and that psychopath um i don't know if that's too many for one th- i mean i know gurren logan's kind of long not well, long for anime, but kind of long as a thing. Let me check the episode count on Psychopaths. I'm pretty sure it's 26 episodes for the... F- yeah, because there's two openings. Hmm. So yeah, it, it's like 26 episodes, which we've done before. Hmm. Um, so we do that, the Psychopaths movie, and uh, I don't know... Red line that that's the easy one to take that edge off. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so, psychopaths. Red Red line and Paprika are both just one-off movies. Yeah, pa- Paprika is also another like kind of heavy thing, though. Mm, kinda, I mean, it it, I mean, it, it is if you it, think about it, but also it's got a lot of just funny, trippy imagery of like appliances walking down the street. Yeah, like it's not, it's not like, um, like it's not slow, yeah. like um, like the blade, like Runner. say, yeah, because like like even psychopath, like it it's it's like inspired by the same type of thing Blade Runner is, mm. so it it has a lot of those tropes, right? Mm. But like. It, it's also like in action anime, <laughs> so mm. um, it's not like there, there's a lot of dialogue, but it's not like it doesn't expect you to be introspective about the thing mm. <laughs> as as much. Actually, if we're like, doing a Philip K. Dick thing, should we do Psychopaths and Total Recall? I think oh, Total wow. Recall was uh, another Philip K. Dick one. But much cheesier than the Blade Runners. Yeah, like... What what other... Like, Minority Report, I know, is another thing. Mm. Um, which is also Keanu Reeves, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> or was that Tom Cruise? Yeah, I think it was Tom Cruise. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, either way, I mean, <laughs> like, I, 
I can watch Psychopaths in my sleep. It's one of my favorites. So, mm. I mean, we can add as many movies as you want to this list. <laughs> Oh, okay. I guess to keep... Yeah, we'll do Psychopaths and Redline and just keep it short. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's up to you. Like like I said, like I can breeze through Psychopaths. Like, it's not... It's... It, it's probably going to be like Harley Quinn for me, where like I just burn through it in a few days because I, I hate stopping it. Because mm. um, I, I, I very much enjoy it, even though it's... It gets pretty dark uh, mm. in a few in a few spots. Um, also, I really, I really. Yeah, anyway, we'll we'll talk about it after we watch it. Are we yeah. still recording? Um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We're deciding this on air, so our listeners don't have to wonder what it is we're talking about in two weeks. Yeah, and, I guess so. Uh, and now we can tell them to stay funky. Hi, EG. <laughs> stay Hi, funky. Are we actually ending with that? Alright. So wait. We are, so you aren't going to include this. Fart noise. <laughs> That's the worst way to end a podcast. <laughs>